Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Um, we have a wonderful, beautiful sponsor this for this week's Tanya class. Oh, whoops. Sorry about that. Um, Sarah Baslea, thank you so much for sponsoring this class. It is so appreciated. And may you have all the brachas and the blessings in the world. Okay. Um, all right. So we are going to be doing chapter 16. Guys, we are really making progress. We're moving right along. Um, and we are going to now be, um, we at the end of chapter 15, we really kind of understand now the different levels of the Bainani. We understand the goal of the Bainani. And um, we're going to do a quick review, and then we're going to move right into kind of like a, a little bit of a new section. Okay, so where have we been so far? Chapter one, we basically, um, we, don't, we don't understand ourselves very well, because we have this raging conflict inside of us, and we don't understand why. So what does chapter one tell us? You have two souls. You have two souls that want completely different things. So of course, you know, it's going to be a battle. There's going to be a battle inside of us. And when we feel like we are have split personality because one day we want to be holy and the next day we don't, it makes sense because we have two different souls that want have two different goals, right? So that's what, what, what we basically were understanding uh, chapter one through eight. We got, remember we said chapter one through eight is very informational. The Tanya in general is an instructional book, right? Where it's tools. We actually, it's practical. But the first eight chapters is all information because we need to have a foundation for what, what we're even doing. So we learned about the two souls. We learned about the composition of the souls, right? We learned the modes of expression of the soul. We learned the, the, how good and evil are in the, inside of us and we applied it to the world right things that are accessible things that are not accessible neutral you know neutral things that we can elevate things that we shouldn't even bother going near right no trespassing we learned all those things and then we got to chapter nine which kind of is like well okay now we know about this conflict how does this conflict play out right in our bodies right so we learned about the fact that there's a war going on and this, there's a small city and there's two kings that are trying to have complete domination over the city. And then we learned, okay, well, how does this war play out in the different personalities, right? We have a Tzadik, we have a Russia, and we have a Baini. How does this conflict, how does this war play out in each of these types of people, right? Um, are you with me? This is all sounding familiar, right? Okay. So now at the end of chapter 15, we, um, we understand, like we said, we, there's different levels of tzaddikim, there's different levels of, of a rasha, now there's different levels of a bainani. What did we talk about last week? That there's such a thing as a bainani that's not serving God. What does it mean to be a bainani? A bainani has perfect action. How could there be a bainani that's not serving God, right? What did we say? What does service mean? Service equals effort. Okay. And if something is coming easy to you or something is habit, or you're just doing it out of, because that's how you grew up and you don't have any context for anything else, your actions are still godly. You're still accomplishing something, but you're not serving God. Why? Because there's no effort involved. So what did we say at the end of chapter 15, that we have to push this Bainani who's, um, sir, who's, is a bainani, has perfect action, but is not serving God because he's not pushing himself. He's not uncomfortable. We have to be uncomfortable, right? We said, my favorite analogy is that is the analogy of the gym, right? If you're not uncomfortable, if, if what you're doing isn't making you sweat and it isn't hard, and then you're not going to have gains, right? You're not going to go anywhere. You're not going to, if it's easy, then you're not going to really accomplish very much. So why is it so strange that that also applies to our spiritual life. I feel like we, we go around thinking that our service of God has to be easy and it has to be fun and has to be enjoyable and has to be inspiring all the time. But no, if we're not uncomfortable, if we're not pushing our boundaries, then we're not in service of God. 
we may be doing good things and there's great ramifications for having good actions, but we're not giving of ourselves to God because it's not uncomfortable. It's not hard. It's not pushing. Remember we said the service is in the struggle, right? When you are struggling, when you're in a moment of pain and you're struggling, that in itself is your service. Okay. Remember we said that. Okay. So now what are we going to do? Chapter 16 and 16 and 17 is going to tell us how are we pushing the boundary? How are we pushing this bainani, right? Well, obviously our actions are up to par, right? Because a bainani has perfect action. So obviously everything we're doing is godly, but what about our insides? right? Our emotions is where we're now going to push because it's much harder to get your emotions on board with God than your actions. How do we know that? We gave an amazing example of the cilantro, right? Is it easier to say we love cilantro or is it easier just to like eat it and like do it even though you hate it, right? It's way easier to just have the action than to change how you feel about something, right? So now that we have perfect actions, remember the Tanya is in chronological order. The altar is talking to people who are coming to him with questions. So now this person, the, the people the altar is talking to, it, he's assuming that we have perfect actions, right? We've mastered the perfect actions. We've mastered impulse control, right? We can actually change our behavior in an instant. So now what's next? What's next? So 16 through 17, we're going to talk about meditating on the greatness of God, which will have an effect on our emotions. And we'll talk about that more, right? 18 chapter. So this is a little preview, just so you can get it, you know, kind of make sense of it in your brain. 18 to 25 is going to be talking about how to uncover latent emotions that we already have. They're just covered up. Okay. It's easier to uncover emotions and to create new ones, right? So 16 to 17, we're going to do the harder one first. We're going to talk about how to create new emotions. 18 through 25, we're going to talk about how to uncover latent emotions, which is a little bit more accessible. Okay. So um, so we already have one tool, right? What's the one tool that we already have? Impulse control, right? Our brain rules the heart. So it doesn't matter what you feel like, right? We can curb our impulses and we can behave appropriately. We know we are able to do that. Whether it's easy or hard or we do it or we don't do it, that's a different story. But the fact that this is possible, that we can access this because we're born with this ability of impulse control, we know that. That's our first tool, right? But what happens inevitably, once we're doing that, once we have complete impulse control, we talked about this, we touched upon this a little bit last week, what's inevitably going to happen? What are we going to feel? We're going to feel some tension, right? Why are we going to feel some tension? because we're working against the grain. We're swimming upstream, right? Have, you, have your kids ever done this? Or you like try to walk up a down escalator? Like, right, they, they, it's so thrilling, right? Like, so that's what we're doing, right? Because our animal souls is strong within us, right? We have a very strong animal soul and, we, and our desire of self-preservation usually overrides our desire to connect to God. But because we're a Bainani, right? And because we're employing this skill of impulse control, so now we are able to act in a godly way, but it doesn't mean we always feel godly. We're working against the grain, right? And another a great example is like a rubber band, right? When you stretch a rubber band out, right? There's a lot of tension, right? What happens eventually to that rubber band that's gonna be stretched? Two things can happen. Either it's gonna snap, and what happens when the rubber band snaps? It goes all the way back down, right? So imagine like a bainani, right? Like we're tension, tension, pulling, 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 pulling. And in one instant, the rubber band can snap. And not only is it going to be a little bit of a problem, he's going to go ooh, way plummeting down, 
right? Because that's usually what happens. Or there's another option where because, because there's so much tension, you know, like you automatically naturally start to ease the tension, right? You start to ease the pull. pull. So let's say the rubber band is here, right? Our actions are here. Our actions are super godly. Our emotions are down here and the rub rubber band is super stretched. So eventually what's going to happen is this is going to come down a little. We might actually get our emotions up a little, and this is going to come down a little until we're, our emotions are matching our actions, which usually means that our godly behavior is going to come down because is it possible to live in this tension-like place forever? Maybe, but it's not likely and it's not enjoyable. Is that how we want to serve God? Is that the way that we want our relationship to be with, to be with God always, to have tension and animosity or like, you know, just like, you know, it's just fighting. It's like, it doesn't feel right, right? We don't feel, it's very hard to always act against our emotions, right? We can do it once in a while, but it, it's very hard. So what are we, so what do we do about that? We know that we can't have perfect emotions because what would that make us if we had perfect emotions? A tzaddik, right? Only a tzaddik is going to have perfect insides and perfect outsides. But just because we can't have perfect insides doesn't mean we can slowly change our insides and we can have moments of time where we are emotionally congruent with our actions. And it doesn't mean we can't get our emotions to, you know, feel like we want to do this, right? It doesn't always have to feel like we're going, we're doing something we don't like. We can get our emotions to want to do this. And how, so how do we do that? Okay. Um, we're not going to like change our emotions all the way, right? We know that's off the table, but we can make a difference. Okay. So, um, any questions so far? I kind of just threw a lot of stuff at you, like all at once. Any questions? We're, we're feeling good so far. Okay. Remember to either use the chat box or unmute yourself. Like do not, do not feel like you cannot interject. Okay. Um, okay. So now, so basically we have our, our actions are under control, right? So we, where are we going now? We're going into our emotions. We have to expand ourselves emotionally. You know, the fascinating thing is that even though the Bainani is all about the perfect actions and that's our goal, we would never want to lose sight of that. We would never want to lose sight that our goal is perfect actions. But most of the Tanya is going to be addressing on how to get our emotions um, more in line with our actions. Why? If that's not our ultimate goal, because we learned our actions, we can change instantly. We don't need that many tools to change our actions. It's one simple thing. It's self-control. So how long does that take to tell you have self-control, right? So we did, we learned about it. We know how to change our actions. Now changing our emotions is a whole nother story. So even though that's not our ultimate goal, our actions have to come first. But now that we have our act, we now that we know how to change our actions, we want we're going to be spending a lot of time talking about working on our insides, working on our emotions and our feeling feelings towards God and what He wants from us. Okay, so um, now the Altar Rebbe is giving us our second tool. In chapter 16, we're getting our second tool. Guess what the second tool is? Same tool, but it has two different meanings, okay? So yes, if you're saying like, we learned this already, yes, we did. Chapter 12, we learned this already. What are we saying? What was, what was the meaning of then? It was impulse control, right? It happens in an instant. Now in chapter 16 means this, it means change yourself over time, okay? What will happen? Slowly, we will change our insides and lift them up to be consistent with our outsides. So we're still, we're, we're transforming ourselves, but over time, Okay, when we control our actions, that's something that can happen in an instant and we're controlling our actions. We're not really changing who we are. 
right? We're changing what we do. Remember we talked about what the difference is between who we are and what we do, right? Two different things, right? So when we have and we have impulse control, we are changing what we do. But can also change who we are. How? How can it change who we are, right? Um, before we get there, we have to understand this takes a long time. This is not an instant gratification kind of thing. You're not going to sit and meditate over the greatness of God one time and be like, wow, I got this, right? That is not going to happen, okay? So this takes time. Why do we have to start with our actions? Because we need, we need immediate results, right? So actions can be immediate. Changing who you are is something that's a lifetime journey. And we know it's a lifetime journey because we're actually never really going to get there right? Because if we ultimately get there, what are we? we what are we? We're at Tzadik. We're not doing that, right? So we're, this is a lifetime journey. And I think it's so powerful to know that because we are constantly evolving as people, right? We're constantly learning and growing. Our life circumstances and our life, you know, challenges shape who we are, right? What the Tanya is telling us is that we have a little bit of control over that right? We can't control the challenges that we get, right? We don't have control over that, but we do have over control over what we do with them, how we think about them, how we meditate on them, and that can slowly change who we are, okay? So, um, so now our, it's not our only tool to just have impulse control, right? Like that could be a little depressing if our only tool, like we said last time, if the Tanya stopped after and said, you know what? This is what it means to be a Benani, right? Perfect actions. Here you go. This is how you do it. And then the Tanya could technically have stopped there because that's our goal, right? But how would we feel about that? Like that's not the that's not the way we want to serve God. We want to serve God with everything we have. We want to serve God, which means we have to put in the effort. And putting in the effort now means changing who we are. Okay. Um, Self-transformation, right? That's what the rest of the Tanya, the rest of the th the rest of the book, which is 54 chapters, and we're on chapter 16, is going to be about self-transformation in the, on the emotional sense. And don't worry, the time is going to constantly remind us, don't worry. It's action is really where it's at, right? Action's really where it's at, but there's more, there's, we can enhance our action. Basically. We don't have to just do the action and then be like, okay, I got this. I'm done. Right. All right. So we want, we want to do the best we can. We want to give God all of ourselves, right? We talked about that. Um, and comparing it to other relationships as well, right? If you're in a very invested relationship, you don't want to just like give half of yourself or give the bare minimum, right? You want to give your best of yourself. So how much more so for God? Um, so, so we have the main principle. We have change who you are over time, right? Change yourself over time. Now, we actually know how to do this. We know how to do this. You know how? Because we learned about it in chapter three and we learned about it in chapter four. What did we say in chapter three? In chapter three, we talked about um, the um, soul powers, right? The, ten has, the soul has 10 powers. We split them up into two categories. We have seven emotional powers and three intellectual powers, right? Remembering this, this rings a bell? Which comes first? The intellectual powers, right? Remember we said the emotions are the children of our intellect, okay? So um, intellect comes first. What we think about is how we feel and, is, and then is in turn is how we act, right? And then we took it a step further. In chapter four, we talked about the three modes of expression right? Thought, speech, and action. And we spent a long time proving and discussing the fact that thought is an action. It seems like it could not be an action because it's still so internal, 
but thought is an action. What example did we give how we know that thoughts in action? We talked about the fact that we can't choose what we think of, right? But we can choose what we think about. What is the example that we gave is that you get a knock on the door. You don't have to answer the door. You can't choose the fact that somebody's knocking on the door. That's going to happen. But whether you choose to open the door or not, that's on you, right? So you can, a thought can come into your head that is not in your control, right? But are you going to meditate on that thought? Are you going to think about that thought? Are you going to ruminate and spend time on that thought? That's in your control. And we know that an action equals, there's an, a beginning and an end, right? And you can have a beginning and an end to your thoughts. So thoughts are actions. So it's all coming together in chapter 16, right? We know where emotions come from, right? They come from our intellect, right? It's in your head. Emotions come from your head. How do you get your head to produce the right kind of emotions, the right kind of stuff, right? We think, we think about it. What does that mean? And what is the word for that? We meditate. We meditate. What are we going to meditate on? We're going to meditate on the greatness of God. Okay. Now, I want to tell you that in chapter 16 and 17, we're not going to get specific meditations. Okay. It's going to be a very general meditation of thinking about the greatness of God. Later, the end in the late 30s and early 40s, we're going to actually have specific meditations that we're going to be doing. Okay. But we're not there yet. The Alter Rebbe gives us as much as we can handle at a time. We're not there yet. Okay. So if you feel like, oh, wow, that's a very general meditation, it is because that's what we're ready for. Okay. So we know that emotions are generated in our head. Okay. So what do we have to do to generate emotions that match our actions that are godly? We need to think about God right? A plus B equals C. It's, it's just, it works like that. It works, right? What we think about is what we're going to feel. And what we feel is how we're going to act. So if we can get our emotions to feel this amazing love and of God, it's going to affect what we do and how we do it. Yes, you're with me? Okay, so um, now we are not having meditation. Actually, you know, we don't talk about this a lot because meditation is very much associated with something positive, right? Like meditation is very healthy. It's good for you. Um, it's important. And especially in Tanya, like Tanya is the OG source of meditation. Okay, all these new age sources it's nothing new. Tanya is telling this thousands, this Tanya is telling us this thousands of years ago, but meditation can be negative. When can meditation be negative? When it's a reactive meditation, when we feel a certain way and then we react and we start to, we get stuck in a negative thought. What are you doing? You're meditating on a negative thought, which is then going to affect how you function right? That's the difference between pain and suffering, right? I think we've mentioned that before, right? Pain, everybody feels pain. Pain is part of life, but suffering is, a, is something that we do on, to ourselves, right? Suffering is when we meditate on that pain and we get stuck in that pain, then we're suffering, right? So we're not, we don't want to have reactive meditation. We don't want to meditate on things that just ha happen to us and then we're stuck in a thought and we can't get out. We're talking about proactive meditation. We're talking about being intentional about our meditation. We are going to take five minutes a day and we're going to intentionally meditate about the greatness of God. Now, how you get there, how you feel God's greatness is gonna be individual for right now. Later on, the Tanya will give us some really great things to think about. But right now, we're just gonna meditate on the greatness of God, however you get there, okay? So we're not having reactive meditation. We're not getting stuck in or ruminating on thoughts that are detrimental to us. I mean, this is psychology one-on-one. -on -one. If we get stuck in a thought, um, we're not gonna, we get stuck. We're not gonna function, right? And we're going to add suffering on top of our pain, 
Okay. No one's saying you're going to go through life without pain, but we are saying you don't have to suffer. That's on you. Suffering is on you. Okay. So what are we going to do? We're going to have a intentional proactive meditation on the greatness of God. Okay. So now here we are, we're meditating on the greatness of God. What happens if we don't create that meditation? What happens if you don't create that emotion? What are we going to feel? Like sometimes we can meditate. I mean, I don't know. I have like this love hate relationship with meditation. Like I keep on trying it and I keep on feeling like I'm not doing it right. And then it's like, well, how, you know, how do you do it right? And, you know, it then becomes stressful, right? Then becomes a stressful thing. And then it's like this love hate relationship. But what I'm trying to integrate and understand is like meditation, like my therapist told me, meditation is like learning a new language. You don't learn a new language the first five minutes of your you trying. It takes consistency, it takes practice, and slowly but surely it'll start to make more sense. So let's say, am I going too fast? I feel like I'm like going very fast today. No, we're good? Okay. So let's say we are meditating on the greatness of God and we're not producing this amazing, passionate emotion. You know what the Tanya says? Don't worry, it's okay. It's okay because we actually don't expect you to be able to produce a passionate emotion like a tzaddik, right? You're going to produce something called a tfuna. A tfuna. What's a tfuna? A tfuna is, the best way to appreciate it is like a pseudo emotion. It's an appreciation. And that's my favorite word for it because basically what you're going to produce is an appreciation for God, right? And what's going to happen is, is that instead of, I'm giving a very generic um, example, just because it's what's always comes to my head, instead of lighting Shabbos candles and it being a burden and you have to end work early and it's, you're fighting against the grain, you're going to be like, I get it. I get why this connects me to God. I get, I want to do it right? You all of a sudden have a desire to do it. You don't have a passionate, like full body experience, right? That we didn't get, but now you have an appreciation for the mitzvahs that you're doing. And it's so much easier to do something that you appreciate, right? It gets you to a whole different place than just working, climbing up the down escalator, right? Like that is difficult. That is painful. That is hard. But now if you can meditate to the point where you have now an appreciation of your relationship with God and mitzvahs. Great. Okay. So you're, you're not going to have, we might not necessarily, I think it could happen once in a while, but we're not necessarily going to have a passionate experience, right? When you feel something very, very deeply, what happens? You feel it in your body right? Like if you're feeling an emotion very deeply, you're going to feel it physically, right? If you are nervous, very, very nervous, you're going to have butterflies in your stomach, right? If you're very, very, very emotional. You're going to cry. If you're very, very happy, you're like, you're going to feel it in your body, right? So imagine that's what a tzaddik feels about his relationship with God. Like every mitzvah that he does, he feels it physically in his body, like, can you imagine that? Like we can, every time you do a mitzvah and connecting to God, you have these physical sensations in your body. So that's really a tzaddik's journey. Um, remember we talked about though, we could have a tzaddik moment, right? We could feel that once in a while. It's just not gonna, we're not gonna feel it all the time. But what we are saying is that we can have, we can develop an appreciation, a pseudo emotion, an appreciation for these mitzvahs, for what God wants. And that changes our, that changes our, that little subtlety changes our relationship completely. Because it's very different to appreciate what you're doing and understand the value of it. And I'm just doing it because God said so. Right? Like, you know, when you talk to your kids and you say, they ask you, why, why do I have to do that? And you say, cause I said so, right? I mean, we do it all the time. I do it all the time. I'm like, cause I said so, right? They're 
they're going to do the thing you say you're, they have to do, but are they going to be happy about it? No, they're not going to have any understanding or appreciation. They're not going to want to do it. They're going to resent you for it, right? As they should. Um, that's what we're saying with our godly relationship. If we're just doing the things, if we're just having perfect action just because God said so and we don't understand it and we don't appreciate it, we're going to end up having a very tension-filled relationship. It's going to have a lot of tension, right? Like that rubber band. And it's probably, prob I'm not going to say for sure, but it's probably going to snap. Because no one really wants to be in perpetual attention. But it's not a good, it doesn't, it's not a good place to be. So what we're saying is, okay, we now have a second tool. We now can do in a transformational way, not just like change what I do kind of way, but change who I am kind of way. Right. And that happens slowly over a long period of time. How do we change our, how do we change who we are? We know from chapter three and four right? It all starts in our head. So what we think about is now going to affect how we feel. And we actually can control what we think about. We have control over that. Okay. Any questions so far? No, we're, all, we're doing good. Okay. So, um, the alternative goes on to, um, quote us a phrase that goes like this. Um, let me find where I wrote it down in English. It goes like this. If you have a good intention, Hashem will consider it like you did it. Okay. Um, and we sometimes translate that phrase as like, oh, like, you know, you're on your way to doing somebody a favor, right? And they don't need the favor anymore. So you had good intentions. It's like you did it. You get the credit for it's like you did it, right? We're going to explain it in a different way here, okay? So what we're saying is that what really happens here is Hashem combines the good thought to your deed. Okay, he combines them together. The good thought to your deed. What does that mean? When you do a mitzvah and um, remember we said a tzaddik, if you really are producing an emotion, you're going to, you're going to have a visceral reaction to that. You're going to feel it in your body, right? Most of the time, we don't have a visceral reaction to our, to our mitzvahs. We're not necessarily feeling it in our bodies. We're doing it with our head, okay? But um, what does Hashem do? Uh, Hashem, so we're not have like our, our emotions, sorry, I'm backtracking for a second. Our emotions that we're, we're creating, like for the tzaddik, they're tangible, right? And they're passionate and you can feel them physically. For us, chances are they're gonna be more abstract. Okay, we're creating more abstract emotions. So, um, and they're not going to be as passionate and we're probably not going to feel them physically. Okay. They're more in our head, not in our body. Does that make sense? Right. When we're, when we're serving God, most of the time it's, we're in our head serving God. We're not feeling it with our body. Right. So what does Hashem do? Hashem says, okay, I got you. Right. He takes our abstract idea right? That you now, you appreciate the fact that this mitzvah is good and it does good things. And I want to connect to God and you have an appreciation for it. Hashem takes that thought and, um, and then he takes your physical action and he combines them together. Okay. So then the impact of your mitzvah is going to have basically an identical impact if like a tzaddik would do the mitzvah. Because Hashem is taking your good intentions and your abstract thought and he's 
making it attached. He's attaching it to your physical action, which then has effects in the world and effects in heaven, just like a tzaddik's mitzvah. So your good intention, what is God doing? He's combining your good intention with your mitzvah to make it like you have all the passion in the world. Okay. So, um, basically your impact, your impact of your mitzvah is as impactful, excuse the double, you know, no, I wasn't creative with my words, but is as impactful as a tzaddik because Hashem is doing, he's like doing that. He's putting the pieces together for you. You have the good intention and you have the action, right? And Hashem says, I'm going to put them together for you. And that's what our meditation can accomplish. When we take the time and we can start with five minutes a day and you take the time to think about the greatness of God, something's going to happen from that. Okay. It's not, you can't really do something consistently and presently without make, without having some kind of change. Okay. We might not get passionate. We might not get tzaddik like change, but we're going to create an abstract appreciation for God. It has to happen. Okay. Like if you're going to do it and you're going to do it and you're going to put yourself into it, not do it half-heartedly, but you're really going to do it, something's going to change. And Hashem says, I see you. I see you. I see that you're doing this. I see that you have good intentions. I see that you have now an appreciation for me and my Torah, right? So I'm going to do the, like the little last legwork for you. And I'm going to take your good intentions and your abstract emotion, and I'm going to put it to your perfect action, which you, we know you already have, and I'm going to put it together for you. Okay. I see a question. Let's see. Okay. Okay. That's a very good question. So the question is, is the meditation you do earlier in the day, what could be combined with the mitzvah later in the day? Like, even if you don't have the intention while you're doing the mitzvah. Okay. So I actually don't have the exact answer to that question, but what I think is happening is that when we, um, let's say, I think we've talked about this before, right? Like when we start our day with a godly meditation, what happens is our brain is now, um, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like conditioned. It's conditioned now to think about God. So when we do a mitzvah, we are going to be able to tap into that earlier meditation that we did. And it's going to be with godly intention. Does that make sense? Answer in the chat box, whoever, whoever wrote that question, tell me if that makes sense. Now, um, the more, the more we meditate and the more, the more we think about God, the more we're automatically going to be doing mitzvahs with, with the proper intentions, right? Because we're conditioning ourselves to do so. So I think, I think I will, I will find the exact answer to that question is like, if you meditate in the morning and you're doing a mitzvah in the afternoon, do those two things get combined or does it have to be in the moment, right? You have to have the right intention in the moment for God to combine those two things. So, um, my answer to the question was, you probably will be able to tap into your earlier meditation while you're doing the mitzvah. But to answer that exact question, I will, I will answer it for you next week. Okay. I'll find out if you can do a meditation in the morning and a mitzvah in the afternoon without, let's say without intention. And does God do that for you too? Now that would be cool. Um, so good question. And I will find out the exact answer next week. Um, a little reminder would not hurt. <laughs> they remember the question. Don't forget to answer the question. Okay. So now basically we have a new tool. End of chapter 16, we're wrapping up. We have a new tool. What's our new tool? We're going to slowly change who we are. We're going to, not what we do, right? Tool number one was change what we do. Tool number two is change who we are. Okay? Um, how? We need emotions. Right? We can control what we think about. So how do we control what we think about? Go meditate, okay? 
Go meditate about God. What happens if we, I'm giving you a brief overview. What happens if we don't create passionate emotions? It's okay. Why is it okay? Because we're going to create appreciation. We're going to create tfunos. We're going to create pseudo emotions. We're going to create appreciation. And that is good enough, right? That is good enough. You know, it's so cool. Like, um, it's also a therapeutic concept, like to be good enough. Like it's okay. Like we're good enough. We're a good enough mother. We're a good enough friend. We're a good enough daughter, right? Tanya also, that that's good enough. We can't create full body, passionate, physical emotions. Okay. We create appreciation. That's good enough. Right. And not only that, not only is it good enough, Hashem will take it and he'll put it together with your mitzvah. And it's going to be like, you did it with passion. I mean, that's pretty sweet, right? I almost feel like the tzaddik's getting gypped because he has to do all the work and we're just like doing half the work and getting the same amount of credit, right? But really it's not that case because it's tzaddik, his path is this. So he doesn't have to work that hard to get there. Okay, side point. All right, so, um, so we are slowly changing who we are if I, were to, if I were to sum up the chapter in a sentence, it would be, we are slowly changing who we are through meditation. Okay? What do we have to, we just have to care more about God. We just have to care more about God. We just have to care. Yeah? Like, that's really what it boils down to. What do we care about? What do we care about? Okay, another question. Okay, I like this question. Can meditating be active? For example, is meditating only sitting and thinking or can be writing or listening to music that helps you focus on Hashem's greatness? Um, no, there's, I, I think all of those, basically whatever gets you to think about God, right? Now, I'm not, I'm saying like, you can get to the meditation through very many different ways, but in the end, it has to be a meditation in your head right? So if you, like some people do walking meditations, right? If you're walking like the Baal Shem Tov did, right? He would walk in the forest. He would contemplate the greatness of God. And that was huge, right? You don't have to be just sitting in stillness to, to produce that kind of meditation. It could be a walking meditation. It could be journaling, right? If you're journaling on the greatness of God, which then leads you to that's what your brain is thinking about. That's, that's a meditation. That's what we're talking about. Okay. So it doesn't have to be the classic meditation where you're still and that's, that's the only way you get to meditation. There's many, many ways to get to a godly meditation. And that's beautiful because find the way that does it for you, right? That's why nagunim are so powerful, right? Uh, Hasidic melodies. Why? Because melodies go straight to your soul. And that can then elicit this godly emotion. Now we don't want it to just remain an emotion, right? Cause emotions are fleeting, right? So the thing about Hasidic melodies is that it's very emotional. It's very spiritual. It's very, um, inspiring, but then it goes away. So we want to take that inspiration and then use that to think and make it intellectual, not just emotional. That's why Chabad is Chabad, right? We are, we base our foundation from our intellect because emotions come and go. It's very hard to like live your life only through passionate emotions. That's not sustainable, right? Okay. Is learning a Torah class considered meditation or are there certain things you need to think about? Okay. Learning a Torah class would be, I would say like Bina, right? We have Chachma, we have Bina, we have Das. Chachma is when you have a, a thought that comes to your head and it it's, it's abstract, right? Bina is when you delve into that thought, it becomes more tangible. You can learn it. You can, you can play with it. You can think about it, right? That I think would fall into the category of when you go to a Torah class, it's Bina. Da'as is taking what you learned in the Torah class and then thinking about it for an extended amount of time. Does that make sense? Okay. So Bina is like, while you're in the class, you're employing your Bina. Okay. Your, um, understanding, right? And then after the class, when you go on your walk and you meditate on what you learned on the class, that's das, that's meditation.
So no, class is not considered meditation. Class is considered learning. Okay, you're learning the concept, that's class. After class, when you think about the concepts and you make them a part of yourself and you think about it for an extended amount of time, that's the meditation. Does that, is that clear? That's hard. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, that's very hard. Um, most of the time we don't do it, right? But if you leave Tanya class and you spend a couple minutes every day thinking about what we learned, that's the start of meditation, right? Um, and the really cool thing about Tanya, which I love so much, is that it changes our perspective so um, from the inside out that you sometimes can't even help but like face Tanya thoughts throughout your week because you're like, it start, you start to look at the world differently, right? You start to see things differently. And it just integrates itself so seamlessly into your life. Now, obviously there's things that we have to like intentionally think about, but there are other things that are gonna be like, now you know that we have two souls, like you can't unknow that, right? And now, you know, like it just, it's a part of you now. And you think about that when you're struggling, that's something that you can think about and be like, I'm struggling because I have two souls inside of me and my body is like, there's a war going on inside my body, right? So that's total spiritual you know, godly concepts that are just going to be coming up now for you all the time, just because you know them, right? Now, you know, when you know that the world is mostly neutral and you know that we have the ability to elevate the world, you know that now, right? You can't unknow that. So you're going to start to, like, it's just going to start to become part of your life. And really that's what meditation is. Meditation is taking a thought and integrating it till it's a part of you, till it leads to action right? Okay. Any more questions till we do our meditation? Like guys, we, I, I, uh, our class is special because we meditate at the end of our class. So is class meditation? No, but is our class meditation? Probably yes. Um, for a couple minutes. Um, okay. Are you ready? Okay. Get comfortable. Okay, take a deep breath in, take a deep breath out, close your eyes when you're ready. I want you to focus on your breath, in through your nose, out through your mouth. Just go with the flow, right? Literally go with the natural rhythm of your breath I want you to just be aware of the sensations you have in your body when we think about these concepts that I'm gonna talk about. Because we're talking about creating an appreciation, creating emotions. When I share with you certain phrases, how does it make you feel physically? How does it make you think? Just observe it, okay? Because it's just a good exercise to be able to observe and connect our body with our head. Okay. So our task in life is really simple in the fact that we wrestle with our ungodly urges and we try we can try to control them, right? That's our that's our basic mission. A great tool to strengthen ourselves in this task is to meditate on God's greatness to the point where you develop real feelings for God. You wanna think about him till you really develop a feeling for him. Now, if you meditate and you're really invested 
and you can't create the passion, it's okay because we're going to create an appreciation and then God does the rest. So think about that for a minute. Like think about the fact that God has our back. He just wants to see effort, right? Service equals effort. He wants to see our effort. We put in the effort. We do the best we can. God does the rest. And one last thing I want to leave you with is that a mitzvah inspired by meditation will always soar higher in the heavens than one that isn't. So an action is an action. Doing a good deed is a good deed. But if you have a mitzvah or an action that's inspired by a godly meditation, it's going to go way farther. So I want you to just meditate on these thoughts for a minute or two. And now I want you to slowly bring your attention back to your breath in through your nose, out through your mouth, any tension that you're carrying in your body, let it melt away. Visualize tension just melting out of your body. Become more aware of sounds, smells, feelings around you. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes, take all the time you need, There's no rush. Okay. How are we feeling? Any questions after you meditated? Did anything come up for you that you're like, wait a second, this is not, this doesn't work for me, right? Okay. Um, if you have any questions, you know where to find me, right? Um, I will, God willing, remember to answer that question about, you know, how, like, how far does God go for us to, to, to combine our intentions and our actions. Um, God willing, I will have an answer for you next week. Um, have a beautiful week. Thank you again for the beautiful sponsorship. It's always appreciated. And we'll see you here next week. Thanks, guys.